Grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Irony is defined by Merriam-Webster as incongruity between the actual result of a sequence of events and the normal or expected result. It's a, a term that often gets used incorrectly to describe something that's funny or something that's coincidental, but most scholars would point to three different categories of irony. Dramatic irony, which is when you're reading a story and you, you know something that the characters in the story don't know. Verbal irony, which is when someone says something that's different from what they mean. And situational irony, which is when something happens that is the opposite of what is expected. There's a lot of irony in the gospel, according to Luke chapter 20. This takes place in the, in the temple courtyard, where Jesus spent a, a lot of time teaching. Uh, this was during Holy Week, in the days before Jesus' death and resurrection. And even before we get to the text of Luke 20, we have something of an ironic situation. Jesus was a, a wanted man, despite having committed no crimes. The Pharisees and the, the chief priests of the Jews had decided that he, he could not, this could not go on any longer. Jesus must be stopped. He must be put to death. But this supposedly powerful and, and authoritative group of leaders was doing nothing to carry out this threat while Jesus went into the most public place possible, the temple courtyard, to continue to teach people about the kingdom of God. Instead of trying to arrest him, the members of their group took opportunities to question him. Uh, here they used a, a kind of verbal irony by asking him questions where they weren't really all that interested in the answer. What they were looking for was for him to say something that they could use against him. They were already planning his trial. They had already decided what the outcome was going to be. Now they just needed to find something of which they could accuse him. But Jesus didn't fall for any of their traps. In fact, many of them, he, he turned around uh, against them. They asked him where he got his authority. And he replied with his own question about where they thought John the Baptist got his baptism from. Was it from God or was it from man? And they refused to answer because no matter how they answered, it would condemn them. And that was when Jesus told the parable that serves as our gospel for today. Here's what he said. A man planted a vineyard, leased it to some tenant farmers, and went away on a journey for a long time. When it was the right time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect his share of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenant farmers beat the servant and sent him away empty-handed. The man went ahead and sent yet another servant. But they also beat him, treated him shamefully, and sent him away empty-handed. He then sent yet a third. They also wounded him and threw him out. The owner of the vineyard said, What should I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenant farmers saw him, 
They talked it over with one another. They said, this is the heir. Let's kill him so that the inheritance will be ours. They threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. So what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenant farmers and give the vineyard to others. There's some irony in this parable. It's ironic that the owner of the vineyard would see his servants abused and would think that these wicked tenant farmers would respect his son. And it's dramatic irony when the tenant farmers plot to kill him. We know what's coming and we say, no, don't do it. But what happens in this parable isn't really ironic. It's exactly what you would expect. Those wicked tenant farmers who abuse the servants, they feel no differently about the son. They plot against him and murder him. And the response is exactly what you would expect. The owner of the vineyard doesn't simply turn over the ownership of the vineyard to those farmers. He, he owns the place. They murdered his son. He's coming for vengeance and for justice. Those farmers will be destroyed because of their wickedness, and it's exactly what they deserve. The meaning of Jesus' parable wasn't lost on the people who were listening. The, all the crowds were listening, not just the Pharisees and chief priests, and they understood that they were God's chosen people. They were the, the farmers in God's vineyard. And so they exclaimed, may it never be. But Jesus quoted from Psalm 118, what about this that is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And then he said, everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush the one on whom it falls. And Luke says that from that very hour, the chief priests and the experts in the law began looking for a way to arrest him because they knew that he had spoken this parable against them. It's ironic, isn't it? That the very people that Jesus tried most to warn were the ones who hated him most for it. It's ironic that the parable about the, the wickedness and foolishness of, the, uh, of killing the vineyard owner's son would lead them to kill the Son of God. It's ironic those words of the psalm that the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And it's ironic that the one the chief priests sought to destroy would himself become their destruction. It's almost frustrating to read Jesus' parable how on earth could this vineyard owner think that sending his son is a good idea? Why would he think that they would have any more respect for him than they did for the servants? Of course they were going to kill his son. So why did he allow that to happen? Why not destroy them sooner? But, but of course Jesus here is talking about himself. He's the son who came into the vineyard of this world. And the reality is that God wasn't fooled. He knew all along what would happen. He's the stone the builders rejected. Here were his people, his nation, the people he cared for and blessed, 
And they didn't want him. Here Jesus stood in his own temple with the experts in his own law. And they thought that they could build without him. But they couldn't. He has become the cornerstone. This is who he is. The, the vineyard owner sent his son knowing that he would die, but desiring that the tenants be saved, that the world be saved through him. No one can stand apart from him because apart from him there is only death. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. To reject him is, is futile, is fruitless. The gospel demands a response. It always has an effect. It, it proclaims that although you deserve the full wrath of God and the punishment of hell for your sins, God visited that punishment not on you, but on his own son on the cross. And it announces, here is Christ crucified. Here is his blood shed for you. Here is not God's wrath, but God's forgiveness. Here is life. This message is not a, a neutral message because it can't be. You are a builder too. Where are you building your life? Are you building it on Christ, the cornerstone? the only one who offers the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation? Or are you building elsewhere? The tenant farmers sought to kill the owner's son, to take the vineyard for themselves, but instead they were destroyed. The chief priests and experts in the law sought to kill Jesus. Could they take the vineyard for themselves? Could they save themselves from death? Is it ironic that the punishment that we deserve for our sins was placed on Jesus instead? God's law says that we must die for our sin, but instead of death, God gives us the gift of life. I don't think that's irony. What it is is love. God, in his love, is perfectly consistent. Jesus continued to preach to the crowds and the chief priests, even those who wanted to kill him. He warned them about the day of judgment, the day when he will come in glory, the day when that stone will crush those who dared stand against the owner of the vineyard. His love for them was so great that he took their sins too upon himself on the cross. And for every time that we have stood apart from God, that we have built on another foundation, or that we have stumbled over the message of the cross for all of our sins. Jesus bled and died that we might have a place in his vineyard and a new life without the guilt of sin and the sure foundation of salvation with him as our cornerstone. It's ironic, isn't it? That so many times in life we've gone our own way, seeking our own form of righteousness, bearing the weight of our sins. 
when Jesus has been right there all along. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Let us build on him our cornerstone. Let us give thanks to be tenants in his vineyard and to bring him all the fruits of our lives with joy. In his love for us, Jesus takes away our sins. And there is nothing ironic about God's love. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.